Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi there, welcome back. This will be for 2 Corinthians chapter 2. The heading reads, Saints should love and forgive one another. They always triumph in Christ. Verse 1, But I determined this with myself, that I would not come again to you in heaviness, for for if I make you sorry... Who is he then that maketh me glad, but the same which is made sorry by me? And I wrote this same unto you, lest when I came I should have sorrow from them of whom I ought to rejoice, having confidence in you all, that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote unto you with many tears, not that ye should be grieved, but that ye might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any have caused grief, he he hath not grieved me, but in part that I may not overcharge you all. This verse and those that follow it provide an interesting insight into the love and and compassion of Paul. We do not know whether the transgressor Paul refers to here is the fornicator mentioned in his first letter, or one of the false teachers in the church who had led a revolt against Paul and his teachings, but it is evident that the church has taken action against the man, and now Paul cautions them with, against withholding their love from him. In verse 5, he hastens to point out that he, he was upset with the news of this brother, not because his own feelings were hurt, but because the man was doing damage to the entire church in Corinth. Now Paul encourages them to forgive and comfort this man so that he will not be lost from fellowship. This attitude of firmness on adherence to church rules and procedure, but loving forgiveness when the transgressor shows true repentance and corrects the errant behavior is a mark of the church of Jesus Christ today as well as in former times. That was out of the Institute Manual. Verse 6, Sufficient to such a man is, the, is this punishment which was inflicted of many, so that contrarywise ye ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. Neil A. Maxwell has written, The guidelines for reproof are clear. Reproving betimes with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost, and then showing forth afterwards an increase of love toward him whom thou hast reproved, lest he esteem thee to be his enemy, that he may know that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. But sharp reproof should come as a matter of inspiration, not to meet an ego need which requires putting someone else in his place. So that contrarywise, ye ought rather to forgive him. Paul stresses the need to reassure the the reproved individual beyond the usual levels of love and affection. Verbal put-downs can create a sense of defeat and despair that only the most resilient can rise above, unless the reassurance comes quickly. When we know we are loved by the reprover, we are more likely to consider the merits of his criticism. Otherwise, we may live out our lives inside a fortified view of ourselves with a network of tripwires alerting us to the probes of friend and foe. The passwords which permit the friend's words to be heard are love unfeigned, which led him inside with his sometimes precious communiques, which we need to hear. Verse 8, Wherefore I beseech you that ye would confirm your love toward him, for to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgive anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgive, forgave I it in the person of Christ. 
Paul teaches, sometimes this old English for me is a little bit hard to understand. Um, anyway, let's go on. Paul teaches an important principle in this regard. As a general authority, he forgives any individual who has been forgiven by the local authorities in Corinth. He sustains the decisions of the local leaders. He is not going to overturn the decision of a lower court just because he can. He is willing to forgive anyone whom they have forgiven. Not only that, he has the boldness to grant forgiveness in the person of Christ. As an apostle of the Lord, he has the right to declare forgiveness on behalf of the Savior. I once uh, heard an apostle, uh, as he was sustaining a member of a stake presidency, and the blessing that he gave indicated uh, to that individual that was being set apart, he said, thy sins are forgiven. So even the apostles today can, can do that very thing. If we apply this principle to our repentant member, we are to understand that the general authorities are even the Savior will and even the Savior will support the decision of a bishop in matters of church discipline. Therefore, if the bishop says you are forgiven, the general authorities say you are forgiven, and the Lord himself says you are forgiven, whether by mine own voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. Otherwise, the Lord's house is not a house of order, but a house of confusion. This is just the, the sort of confusion Satan tries to infuse into the church. That is why Paul is so careful to support the local leaders, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. My disciples, in, in section 64, it says, My disciples in days of old sought occasion against one another and forgave not one another in their hearts. And for this evil they were afflicted and sorely chastened. Wherefore I say unto you that ye ought to forgive one another. For he that forgiveth not his brother his trespasses standeth condemned before the Lord. For there remaineth in him the greater sin. I, the Lord, will forgive whom I will forgive, but of you it is required to forgive all men. Verse 11, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened unto me of the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. Titus emerges as a, as a seasoned assistant in disciplining the Corinthian branch of the church. The story is found here and there in 2 Corinthians. Paul had expected to meet Titus to hear his report in Asia Minor, but crossed to northern Greece, where his fears were replaced with the comforting news that the branch as a whole had repented. Titus obviously had done his work with courage and capacity, but Paul goes further, further to show another crucial or critical ingredient in his success. His love for the people that he sought to help, and his heart goes out to all his heart goes out all the more to you as he remembers the obedience of you all and the fear and trembling with which you received him. That was by Richard Anderson. Verse 14, Now thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, and in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and to the other the savor of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Bruce R. McConkie said, Those who partake of the Spirit, breathed by the saints, the Spirit of the Gospel, the sweet influence that results from obedience to God's laws, gain eternal life. Those who reject it inherit eternal death. That is, the Gospel is an instrument of life and of death, of, death to the, of life to the obedient, of death to the disobedient. Verse 17, For we are not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God in the sight of God speaketh we in Christ. Hugh Nibley wrote, It is entirely possible for important churchmen of high position, a number are pointed out by name in the New Testament, to preach another Jesus and to pervert the gospel of Christ and to corrupt the word of God and to wrest the scriptures. And it is quite possible for these to enjoy great success and become the leaders of the church after the apostles are gone. This is the process the apostles 
apostles, and the Lord predicted. That was part of the uh, uh, apostasy, wasn't it? That uh, That's how the apostasy began. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.